Blog Talk Radio. However you're hearing us, thank you for listening. Um, We have got a full slate for you today. Obviously, the biggest news is the college football playoff rankings that came out on Sunday. Uh, No surprises. Really in the top four, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Washington to uh, discuss the playoff rankings, the implications of bowl games. We're going to bring in a friend of the program, Rose. You with me? Hi, I sure am. I'm here. All right, good to have you on. Um, first, first thing, let's jump right into it. What are your What are your thoughts on the top four here? You got any problems with it? You like it? No, I like it. I mean, I think I go back and forth between the criteria that are used to evaluate which teams are the top four, and I know that there's, you know, I think the Big Twelve commissioner came out and was like, "What is the thirteenth data point?" You know, we just want to know so we can schedule these things better. Do we need to schedule tougher at a conference? Because Washington didn't, and they made it in, mm-hmm. even with the one loss, you know, to to USC. And so I think that it just brings up a lot of those questions for me. But I understand that it's it's different for every team that they evaluate, and that they do look at. You know, the eye test, they use a lot of things that obviously we weren't using in the BCS era, and it's not as easy as having a single answer. But but overall, I think I'm pretty satisfied with the top four. It is weird to have the Ohio State, you know, in there. I'm glad at least they bumped them back to number three and didn't keep them at number two, considering that they didn't play in a conference championship game. But, you know, it's it, it, it's a little right. odd, but I don't have I don't have a lot of problems with it. All right, well, we'll touch on the Ohio State thing in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree with, with what you're saying, that they do use a lot of different metrics. They look at a lot of different things, try to try to figure out these top four teams. The Big 12, though, needs to just be quiet because they need to add a damn championship <laughs> game like everybody else in the country. And until they do, they're always going to be left out on that weekend. I mean, every other major conference, even the smaller conferences, the American plays one, the Mountain West plays one. There's no reason why they they can't play a conference championship game. I know. Because I think it was two years ago you had Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma all tied at the top of that division. There's there's yeah. no real champion there. So that that's kind and of they were, yeah. And they were left out then too. And then last year by you know by a miracle Oklahoma got in. So I mean, mm-hmm. and then obviously that didn't bode very well for them. Um, you know, going out the way that they did yeah. against Clemson, but. But I do, you know, I I hear what you're saying. And even, you know, Bob Stoops, I know I've heard him talk a little bit about the fact that he, you know, he went and he tried to schedule some of those tougher out-of-conference games. It didn't pay off for him. So, you know, that that's not something that, you know, I think everybody looks at and says, oh, we should go do that because, you know, that it was something that ended up hurting him in the long run. Whereas for Ohio State, I know that's where a lot of people are using that argument right. that because they scheduled that game and they took it to him in Norman, that that's why they're in there, which I just find, I don't know, the whole thing is interesting. I still, I'm trying to wrap my head around it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it sends kind of a mixed message because you, you've got two schools of thought there. I mean, on the one hand, what you're saying about Ohio State's right because without that game in Oklahoma, I don't think Ohio State's in. But right. on the other hand, if Oklahoma doesn't play that game and their one loss is to Houston, I don't know. I mean, maybe you got a different conversation. Right. I mean, Washington exactly. scheduled nobody. Washington scheduled nobody right. out of conference. They played an awful mm-hmm. – I think it was 127th out of 128 teams – in FBS, mm-hmm. their out-of-conference schedule is right. awful. Right. So, and, I mean, and, is and the message mean, just, just go and win your games and maybe lose one well, game along the way and get in? That's exactly right. And every week when they put out the college football playoff rankings, I always go and I scroll through strength of schedule. That's like the one, you know, metric that I really am, am keeping an eye on to see are they keeping their, you know, are they keeping their word because they have – emphasize that many a time about how important that is and even just the top 25 there's like less than five teams that have a top 10 strength of schedule on there and I understand it's not just as simple as you have to have a tough schedule like you have to play well within that schedule right like I so I get that but um but it's just it's it's just very interesting and I think that I wish there was a little bit more you know interconference play throughout the season because then, yes, mm-hmm. it's not like the BCS era anymore where we have two teams and it could be a blowout and it's one game and that's all we get. But still, I, I still feel like we, we do still see the blowouts in the college football playoff. And I wish there was just a little bit more of like, you know, and I'm anti-regulation, but some type of regulation to have a minimum interconference, you know, schedule, like the games that you have to play. So that way it still isn't so lopsided when we get to the end right. of the season because right. we really – still have a hard time evaluating these teams. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, ultimately, I don't have a problem with Washington being in. I think that they, they played really well all year. Their one loss was to USC, mm-hmm. who might be the hottest team in the country right now. Um, they they put it on Colorado big time in the, in the Pac-12 title game. I don't have a problem with them. W- w- you touched on this earlier, and I want to get into it. The Ohio State-Penn State thing. Ohio State in, Penn State out. Ohio State lost head-to-head to Penn State in a close game. Penn State is also one of the hottest teams in the country. They've won, I think, nine in a row. They started two and two. And right. they win the Big Ten championship in an impressive game. I mean, they they were down yeah, 28-7. I thought that game was over. I turned it off. The next thing I know, it's 38-31 Penn State. <laughs> yeah, it feels weird to me. How it went for me too. You know, when I was sitting here on Saturday afternoon, I said, you know, Penn State – Penn State's not one of the top four teams in the country. They don't belong in there. But the more I mm-hmm. thought about it, I kind of have a problem with it because you, you you think about it, they beat that team head-to-head. They won their conference championship. I know. Their, mm-hmm. you know. Their two losses are to two ranked teams, one of them Michigan, one to Pitt. And we were right. just talking about strength of schedule. Shouldn't you give Penn State credit for scheduling Pitt out of conference? Right. Right, and and you should, especially now that we look back and, you know, there's talk about games that we thought were huge but don't mean anything now, right, like Notre Dame, Texas, or even Ole Miss, Florida State, as much as it, you know, hurts my heart to say that. Um, and then that we were like, oh, those are huge games, and now we're like, nah, I guess it really didn't mean a lot. And then you have, like, a, you know, that game versus Pitt, which at the time, who knew what it was going to turn out to be, and then Pitt ends up beating Clemson, and you're like, ah, well, actually, that's not – Maybe that's not such a bad loss. And they didn't lose by a huge margin like they did to Michigan, unfortunately. No, and I know I've heard a, a lot of people make Yeah, I know I've heard a lot of people make that case because it was a thirty nine point loss to Michigan, correct? Mm-hmm. When they lost. Yeah. Um yep. so that so that they just there's no way a team that has a loss that's of that significant a margin still in the college football playoff. And and even that kind of rubs me the wrong way because 
are you not looking at these teams like at the end of the season and seeing where how far they've come? Like, is that not factored in, or like, do right. do the do the games in the beginning of the season carry that much weight? Because you know, there there are just so many variables, and and it does get a little challenging. And I completely agree with what you're saying, but then it just gets to be so messy, right? Like, yes, they beat Ohio State in the head-to-head. Yes, they um they won their conference championship, but then they were blown out by Michigan, who Ohio State beat in double overtime. So you're like, well, you know, it's just you go round and round and round, and it, it is it is yeah. hard. And so basically, you know, what you're saying uh, is we should go back to the BCS. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that. I think we should have more more teams in the playoffs, but then of course that's complicated, right? Like I know Jimbo Fisher, I gave actually a really great quote in, in my mind to, to help me kind of frame the way that I that I think about this and the amount of money and um, scholarships and all that that would be needed if they did end up extending the college football playoff because of the you know how many more games that these teams would be potentially playing per year. So I know that there are like a lot of complicating factors there, but for me personally, when there are just so many variables and so many ways you can look at it, I would like them to to expand it just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people like the idea of eight teams where you give all the major five conference champions automatic bids and then you let three wild cards in, but you know, then we're going to be sitting here arguing about, well, the number 10 team in the country should have been in instead of, you know, whoever. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm not up for arguing about Colorado being in the playoff. Like, I'm I'm just not right. – I, I, that's a conversation I really just don't want to have. You know, you've got well, too I many – I think exclusivity is a good thing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I don't want to see number 10 in there, to be honest. Like, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that – I think that there is a, a, a difference once you get around the number 10 spot, like pretty significantly. But I, I feel like when you're able to have these, these types of conversations about the four or five, six teams, that, that maybe that is a sign that there should be more. And I think that the way that you can make that line in the sand about saying it can never go past eight or whatever is because of the toll that it would take on the students or, you know, those types of things and having like a really sound reasoning there. I'm not, you know, this is the first year I've really felt like, oh, you know, really there should be more. Every year I've kind of thought that way, but this year really I felt like it would be, it would just be nice. And I think more, I mean, yeah, more I mean, it, there's never been an example <laughs> quite like this with Penn State and, and honestly, even Michigan. Right. I mean, I, Look, if you're going to tell me that Michigan's not one of the top five teams in the country, I don't know that that's right. I, I, I mean, I watched them play a lot, and I, I think they probably are. Right, right. You know, so, and, and all right. So, go ahead. No, I um, it's interesting. This I don't, I don't want to jump the gun or anything, but at some point, you know, I do want to come back to to you touching on the hot teams bit, and and I've heard that kind of being thrown out a ton recently. And and I understand it for some teams, and then I don't understand why other teams are not being considered hot teams. But we can definitely you're talking get about to Florida that later. State, am I right? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> yes, because I know everyone's throwing out Oklahoma and Penn State and USC. These are these really hot teams, and then you know, and then you have people that are like, "Why is Florida State in the Orange Bowl and not Louisville?" And and I I get that, you know, to some extent, but. Again, it's like, yes, Florida State had a very significant, devastating loss to Louisville earlier in the season, but Florida State is a completely different team now. And, 
I don't know. I guess I just I I wonder what you know. What are the criteria to be considered a hot team? You know, like what? Look, I, I think when you're talking about that, you need to look at a few different things. Like you need to look at where a team starts and where they finish in terms of of the growth of that team and the program. Because you, mm-hmm. it's so easy to forget that we're dealing with you know 18 to 22 year old kids. You're not going to get consistency every single week. That is incredibly rare to get from that that age group. I mean, these kids are prone to outside factors. And I think that when you look at a team like, like USC, USC was not good in the first four games. Then they make the switch to Sam Donald, a quarterback, a freshman. And you could just see every week he got better and better and better. And that team looks like it's moving in the right direction. Louisville, mm-hmm. to me this year, obviously Lamar Jackson's really talented. But if you watched him, you could see that – there were times that that guy was throwing the ball all over the field. He was throwing high, he threw wide. He wasn't – he's an electric playmaker, but he's not the most consistent quarterback. And I just don't think a team like Louisville has the athletes that a USC has. Now, you, you, you talk about Florida State. I think Florida State is, is a very young team, and they showed a lot of growth. I think that if, if people expected them to be anything other than 9-3 and three this year, it wasn't realistic, but – you know, I think where they are today is head and shoulders di- above where they were three months ago. Right. So I guess then it's like, is there is there a difference then between the growth of a team versus when a team is a hot team? You know what I mean? Like, you go the whole month of November without a loss. You know, you your last loss is to the number team in the country, and it's by three points, which is just you know, throwing out there a narrower margin than when Louisville lost to them at home, mm-hmm. which they were so praised for, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Clemson had five turnovers in that game and Louisville should have won, and there's honestly no excuse for it. I don't care if they were in Death Valley no, or whatever. No, there's not. Clemson but, tried to give games away all year. Yeah, all year, all year, totally. Even And this is one thing. I have a technical question for you. I'm sorry about these tangents. But, um, but for, say, the ACC championship game, there were – multiple PI calls on Virginia Tech that were balls that were uncatchable. And I mm-hmm. don't understand how how that wasn't factored in at all. Like, how were these calls, how did they stand if if the ball was uncatchable? Because I mean, to me, I thought you that You see that it all the time. Yeah. It, it happened in the Michigan-Ohio State game, too, in, in late in the fourth yes, quarter that they called one on Michigan that the ball clearly mm-hmm. couldn't be caught. I, I don't know how to – how to explain that? They, for some reason, they've decided in the NFL and in college that you can't review judgment calls, and I think it's ridiculous because that's clearly a situation where it's yeah. Virginia Tech. Look, Virginia Tech has no choice but to play physical with that team. You, you, you have mm-hmm. to try to hit them in the mouth a little bit to hang in there defensively against right. those wide receivers. I mean, a huge team. I mean, physically, a very big team, even on offense. And you know they they got flagged for it all the time, and uh, I didn't really I didn't really see it, but well yeah, you know. and it could have been a totally different outcome of that game. You're not just talking one call. I mean, there were like three clear calls on Virginia Tech where where the ball was nowhere near the receiver, and I just I just felt for Virginia Tech like that that really sucks. And it was 
you know, at one point where in the very beginning of the game where it looked like they were about to get blown out, right? I think it was like 21-7 early on in the game. And, right. um, you know, and, and, you know, God love Virginia Tech for hanging in the way that they did. But I remember thinking, wow, how different would this game look if they were making appropriate calls? And I know it's kind of, at least for me, more so this year than before. And perhaps it's because I understand the calls a little bit better now. But the refing in some of these really big games has been really really subpar it's it's quite crazy and then if you say anything about it you get fined right Twenty thousand to jimbo ten thousand to jim it's like you know wild yeah yeah it it, it, the referee the referees have not been doing a great great job in these big games um all right so so the big question here is is anybody got a chance to beat alabama or should we just just not even watch (laughs) oh my gosh i know i was thinking about that today too and you know good for them you know, I can't imagine if I was a fan of a big dynasty program that was kind of like a sure thing nearly every year, but it just, it gets old for the rest of the country, you know, like I really, I mean, they're a 17 point favorite over Washington, 17 point favorite. Right. Right. And, you know, I hope to God that Washington surprises us. That's what I just, I hope to God that they surprise us and that they, they make it a close game. <clears throat> I was disappointed in Florida's team for that game. I thought that their Trash. defense didn't even show up. Like, I really – they played Florida State the weekend before, and their defense did show up. And I was expecting to see something similar, and no, not at all. You know, so I I, I don't know. I I, um, I can't even say that I really enjoy watching Alabama. I, I hate to say that. No, but it's terrible. Of, it's terrible to but, watch that team. You know, yeah, it's just it's 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 boring to me, quite frankly. It, it, they're boring to watch because I think they destroy you know Washington. You know how I, I don't you think know Washington can play with them. And I, I like I Washington, I really do. But I don't think they can play with them. Washington runs a pro-style offense. They don't have a mobile quarterback. I think Alabama's going to destroy that team. I think it's going to be a, a really ugly game. I think so, too. I don't think it's going to be. I think that Ohio State-Clemson will be a great game. They're one of my top three to watch that, um, you know, that I had circled. And then, you know, whoever wins that game and goes on to play Alabama will be a better game. But I'm not even really excited about the Washington-Alabama game. I I mean, I'm obviously going to watch it, and I I hope that I'm pleasantly surprised, but I'm I'm not really that thrilled about it. Right. Uh, exactly. so, so you mentioned the Ohio State Clemson game. Ohio State's actually a three point favorite in that game, the other New Year's Eve semifinal, which by the way, it's ridiculous these games are on New Year's Eve. Um Ohio State's three point favorite to Clemson. I kinda like Clemson in this game. I, I think that they've got the experience with it. Mm-hmm. They they're just honest to God, they're they're the biggest team I, I think I've ever seen. Their wide receivers yeah. are huge. Their D line is real tough. We and Ohio State's about- offense has been slow in the last few weeks. Right, right, right. I mean, look, I mean, JT Barrett had to carry them through the Michigan game, right, like at the end of the day. Um, I I feel like, okay, Clemson, every time I watch them, there's one player that I'm always in awe of, and it's not Deshaun Watson, it's Jordan Leggett. I think he is such a superb mm-hmm. tight end. I Mm-hmm. wish that he played for Florida State. I think he's incredible. When I was actually sad for them when he looked like he got injured in the AC championship game. I was like, no, they need him for, you know, for, for the college football playoff because, you know, for whatever right. reason, the conference pride, you know, I, I want, you know, the ACC to do well. But, but man, I mean, they're, they're sacked everywhere you look. 
I mean, Gallman, Watson, Leggett, Boulware. I mean, they have great players all over the field at every position. So I actually am with you on that one, especially at three points. I would take Clemson. Yeah, I think you have to take points. I mean, J.T. Barrett has been pedestrian the last three weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. they they squeaked by Michigan State. I don't think they should have won the game against Michigan. I think they were outplayed. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that right. offense has been very impressive. I, I, you know, they obviously they got beat by Penn State, and Penn State kind of gave the template for that. Um, all right, mm-hmm. so which which three bowl games are you most looking forward to watching this year? So okay, so so does Ohio State and Clemson not count in the three bowl games, or is that counting? Sure, you can pick whatever game you want. Give, give me the first one. Because I have, first one I have four. I have four that I'm interested in watching. Ooh. But okay, so Ohio State, Clemson. And then um, Florida State, Michigan, obviously. I think that's going to be a really good game to watch. Um, Penn State, USC. And then I'm actually really intrigued by the Louisville LSU matchup. They're just two teams that I I never really yeah, thought of that playing one, one another. And now I'm like, oh, I kind of can't yeah, wait that, to watch that. That one made <laughs> my list, too. That made my list, too, the Citrus Bowl on, on December 31st, because I think that. It's a real interesting contrast in styles. I want to see how that yeah. defense of LSU matches up against Lamar Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if LSU is going to be able to score enough points, but mm-hmm. I also could see them holding Louisville to 17. I, I don't know. So I, I had that I know one, too. Which Louisville you get. Yeah, you don't know. You really don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I also had on December 28th the Russell Athletic Bowl, Miami and West Virginia. I think it's going to be a fun game. Um, you I know, agree. both teams kind of kind of coming back a little bit. West Virginia, I always like watching West Virginia play. I don't know, they they play a real fun style of offense. Um, and December 29th, I had the Alamo Bowl, Oklahoma State and Colorado. Uh, again, two teams that I think are going to score a lot of points. Um, Colorado mm-hmm. with a big, big comeback year this year. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, they, they lost the Bedlam game, but I, I still think that I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah. Yeah. I um those all sound really good too actually. Especially I I, I was um really intrigued by the West Virginia Miami game as well when I saw that one on there. I have I have to admit I haven't followed Colorado quite as much, so I think that's probably why I wasn't looking into that mm-hmm. um into that game or looking forward to that game quite as much as the others, but um but I think that that one will be a good one too. And it's I mean it's just like it's so cool. Like we, you know, I was watching TV the other day and they were like, whoever thinks these bowl games don't matter anymore is crazy. Like if you're a college football fan, these things are huge. And it's so true. I mean, if you care truly about the sport of college football, these are awesome games. I mean, I'm really, really a lot of good matchups. Yeah. A lot of really good matchups. And the game I'm least looking forward to is the Outback Bowl, Iowa and Florida. I, I will not watch one second of that game. That may set offensive football back 30 years. That's so funny. That's that's actually, yeah, I, I can't really argue with that. can't really argue with that much at all. But um, I know one thing, one thing to throw out there, Florida did score a couple offensive touchdowns on Alabama, something they were not able to do against Florida State. Just fun fact. Florida <laughs> is a dumpster fire of a football team. They are a dumpster fire. So bad. It's so bad. I think by there, this time was, next year, Jim McElwain's out of a job. Someone was making a joke somewhere, and they were like, "Can someone give Florida a quarterback and not from Purdue?" <laughs> it's, it's awful. That <laughs> team. I'm sorry. That team plays no offense. They have a 
a respectable defense, and they play, in my opinion, in the worst division of any Power Five conference in the country. That yeah. division yeah, is trash. Mm-hmm. Kentucky it, won seven games. I, hey, I love Kentucky, but they won seven games in that division. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, it, it it's it's funny to me when I look at it and I'm like, this is a Power Five conference division. You know, like it it, it really is interesting. And even you know, looking at Florida year after year at the caliber that they're playing being the SEC East champions, I mean, that says it all, period. You know, really, truly, Think about your SEC East champions lately. Missouri won it two years in a row. Florida's won mm-hmm. it. <laughs> These are bad teams. Jim McElwain uh-huh. needs to be fired. He's a bum. You're Florida. Oh, you don't go and hire the coach at Colorado State because he was once a coordinator under Nick Saban. Find someone better than this guy. He's got no personality. I know. I um. I really feel like he feigned frustration after the Florida State loss. Like he didn't. I, I don't know. It was, it was just like a really interesting post game press conference. I don't know if you saw the highlights of that, but but I, I don't really, watch him. I, I can't stand him. I didn't even. I just. I couldn't even buy it. And I don't watch a lot of Jim McElwain. And and I. He doesn't bother me. Will Muschamp didn't bother me. Urban Meyer I hated because they killed Florida State every year he was there. But, you know, those coaches, I kind of am like, stay there as long as you can. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I haven't watched a ton of Jim McElwain. And at this press conference, I just was like, I don't believe a word you're saying. Like, you're trying to act like you're all frustrated and not bothered, and I just don't buy it, you know? I, Florida I don't know. needs to and, stop the charade, just stop it, and just make Tim Tebow the head coach already. Because, it's, it, I mean, that, that, that I feel like is where, where it's going to go at some point. Just make let Tim Tebow run uh-huh, the program for as long as he wants. Yeah, yeah, he should he should definitely um, get a position there. That would be that would actually be quite brilliant. That's something I haven't thought of before. But yeah. I mean, he seems to, he he's he's a man of many talents. So I'm sure coaching could be one. Yeah, he's of playing them. baseball. <laughs> but yeah, Getting I know. Fifty-five. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, that was the, the college football playoff talk. We're gonna move into the three-point play. So there's a real interesting kind of dichotomy going on in the NFL right now with quarterbacks. Cam Newton was benched on Sunday for the first play of the game, which turned out to be an interception Mm -hmm. from Derek Anderson. Uh, For The team says it's because he didn't wear a tie on the plane, and that's team policy. When they're traveling on the road and they're getting on a plane, you've got to wear a tie. He was wearing a turtleneck. Mm -hmm. The rumor comes out that maybe it was because he took some teammates to a strip club in the Bay Area. They stayed out on the West Coast uh, last week and went to a strip club during the week, and Ron Rivera wasn't too happy about that. Cam Newton, I'm over the excuses for Cam Newton. The guy has more talent, natural physical talent, than probably anyone playing quarterback in the NFL. But every year it's an excuse. He's had... Great defenses behind him. He's played with Luke Keekley. He's played with Josh Norman, Thomas Davis Sr. He's got weapons on offense. He's got Greg Olson. He has Kelvin Benjamin. He had Steve Smith for the first four years of his career. And there's always an excuse. There's always someone having to defend Cam Newton. 
He pouts. He complains. There's always a problem with this guy. And I'm just tired of it. He's completing 45% of his passes over the last month. That is god-awful. That's like worse than yeah. the Browns quarterbacks are completing. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's the worst. I know. It's just it's it's just an, you know, a funny comparison, but you know, valid of course, but valid, but just funny to think about. And he's had stability. He's had the same head coach, Ron Rivera. He's been working with Mike Shula, his OC for a long time. And then you compare him to to the second person that we're going to talk about in the three-point play, and that's Jameis Winston. And I I will be the first to admit I wasn't huge on Jameis Winston when he came out in terms of a pro prospect. I thought he was maybe a Jake Plummer. But the guy deserves a ton of credit. I'm going to play this clip for you. We played it a couple of weeks ago when it happened. What the Bucks have done over the last three weeks is as impressive as what anyone is doing in football. They go on the road to Kansas City one of the two toughest places in the league to play on the road. They beat the Chiefs in a game that was back and forth all day. Um, they then come home and play the Seahawks, and they beat Seattle, which is, I mean, shocking that they pulled that off. I thought they could compete with them, but they, they beat Seattle. And then yesterday, they pick up another win on the road, cross-country in San Diego against Phillip Rivers, and that game had trap game written all over it. I mean, you have two emotional mm-hmm. wins. You have to fly 3,000 miles, and you get the win. This is what Winston said in the Bucks locker room three weeks ago after they I told you. I told you I was grateful for every one of y'all. Yeah. Yeah. You see how we play as a family. Yeah. You yeah. see what we can do as a family. One team, one Harvey, it's all about us. Hey, I'm going to get this game ball back. To Coach Carter. Hey, hey, it's all about the family. If we stay together, man, the sky's the limit, all right? Family on three. One, two, three, family. When I played that for the first time a couple days after it happened, I said, that's the guy that makes you want to run through a wall. That's not a guy standing in the locker room saying, hey, great job, guys. I mean, he he gets people fired up. He's turned into a real leader, a very, very solid quarterback. I mean, he can make all the throws on the field, and he's not just doing it in a spread system. He can do it under center. Um, He can move around when he needs to. He's not the most mobile guy, but he he can can kind of move around in the pocket. I, I think there's no question you'd rather have him over Cam Newton right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – I don't really think that you can argue with that, especially just, you know, just by looking at the numbers and also by some of the some of the other issues that you highlighted there. And I um, I mean, for you know that I have the Jameis bias, though. So like, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm a big Jameis supporter there. So I, I would pick him over Cam just based on that. But anyway, so I have to throw that out there, but – but I think that um, when you're looking at a football team as a franchise, you know, as a whole, it, he definitely makes more sense than Cam Newton for all the reasons that you highlighted there. I mean, it's just – it's so impressive to me what he's done. He's done it with a less stable organization. The Bucks have been a bad team for the 10 years oh, yeah. before he got there. He's on his second head coach in two years, who is a rookie yep. head coach. Dirk Cutter's never been a head coach at any level in football. He's mm-hmm. 
Vincent Jackson, his number two wide receiver, has been out all season injured. Their running back is Doug Martin, who the only reason he's having the year he is is because of how Winston's throwing the ball. And their offensive line is not very good. I mean, I can't name you one guy on their offensive line. Right, right. And I think about that every time I watch them, is that I don't, I'm not impressed by their offensive line. But I think that all the reasons that you, you know, that you've kind of been alluding to just in, in the past couple sentences, that those underscore the reason that he was actually the first-round draft pick. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think that there is a lot more to Jameis Winston than even what we see on the field. And obviously there were a lot of issues prior to his departure from Florida State, which, you know, some were merited and, and some were not warranted. So I think that, you know, he, he's got those things against him. But at the same time, we all make mistakes. We all grow. We all learn from them. And um, and he's shown that he clearly he's clearly done that. I I oftentimes every time they have those Nissan Heisman House commercials, I'm like, how the hell do they not have Jameis Winston on there? Truly, at this point, I, I, I've seen Mariota on there countless times. They had Manziel on there at one point. I just yeah. I don't get it for the for the life of me. And I think I just saw Derrick Henry on one. And I'm like, where the fuck is Jameis? It, it, it blows my mind that there is still certain bias towards him from areas for things that he, quite frankly, never even did. But that's another, you know, another issue completely. But I'm, I, it makes me very happy to see him doing as well as he's doing because I think he deserves it. Yeah, I mean, it's just impressive to see because, I mean, look, Jameis Winston. I don't think anybody would argue that that he has all the tools to to do everything you need a quarterback to do. The questions obviously were with his maturity when he came out. I mean, you you wondered a little bit about, you know, this guy's going to become the face of the franchise. We're going to pay him tens of millions of dollars in guaranteed money. Can he handle it? Or are we going to be dealing with, you know, PR problems Mm -hmm. every, every few months. And he's had nothing even close to that since he's been in the NFL. Right. But I, I also don't think you could argue that if you're looking at the two guys, without a name on them, you're going to take Cam Newton's physical abilities over Jameis Winston just because he's bigger, he runs better, and he, he, he has the ability to make all those throws. It, it's what's in his head. I mean, when Cam Newton loses a game, he sits there and pouts. I mean, the, the way he acted mm-hmm. after the Super Bowl was ridiculous. Guys lose yeah. Super Bowls. It happens, man. Yeah. You, you can't sit there and cry about it. Yeah. He's more worried about what he's wearing to and from the game than than telling people what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I honestly don't know that there's much more to much more to be said on it. I think that, um, you know, I, I, would I be disappointed if Cam Newton was my franchise quarterback? Probably not. Probably not. But I do find it interesting that. His the course of his career has probably been marled with more controversy than Jameis Winston, oh, albeit Jameis Winston had the big big thing. Um, but but I feel like that's it doesn't surround him and plague him the same way that it does Jameis, and and I think that that's that's kind of a shame for Jameis. Um, I mean, good for Cam Newton, right? Good for him that nobody remembers that he got kicked out of Florida before he went to Auburn. For right? Stealing a laptop. Nobody, he stole, he stole a laptop. Right. He was arrested for it, yeah. too. Right, but nobody – I mean, I, I, honest to God, never – And his father got paid like $100,000 for him to go to Auburn. Right, right. I mean, I mean, there's all these things that are just forgotten. And 
you know, kind of like I think you're you're saying here that he keeps being favored over and over again, and you know, commercials and all these different things, and 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 you do just have to, you know, just sit back and and just I guess wonder a little bit about is you know is he as is he as great as everyone's made him out to be, especially with the statistics that you've thrown out already. Yeah, I, I think people are racist against Jameis Winston. <laughs> There's something against him. I don't know what exactly it's racism. They are, it's but, racism. Cam Newton. But, well, no. Cam Newton, you know, different. Well, I, you know, and even honestly, Mike, I was going back to not to you know harp on Heisman stuff again, but this year, right? They finally announced the five finalists for the Heisman Trophy, and um, of course, you know, not not to my surprise, but Dalvin Cook was not named a finalist, nor was any of that surprised back, me. Right? Like it's all. It's all it's all quarterbacks and then like and then Jabril Peppers, right? Isn't it? It's like yeah, Baker Jabril Mayfield. Peppers is there and he should be there. But I don't right, know how Dalvin Cook didn't didn't get there. I, David Pollock at ESPN said that he thought that was the biggest snub in the country, and I kind of agree. I don't I don't know how right. how he's Absolutely. not. I, I mean, look, Lamar Jackson's going to win the thing. There's really no I, right. it, it's it's anticlimactic. He's going to win. But if you're asking me who's second. I don't know who I'm putting above Dalvin Cook. But and you know and here's this is this is what I'm getting at is because I look at the undefeated season that Jameis Winston had at Florida State in 2014, right? Obviously was not the year that he had in 2013 when he was the clear Heisman candidate, you know, he was the clear favorite. He won he won it right. everything. Right. And have, but having said that, I would argue that his 2014 season was actually rather similar to Deshaun Watson's season that he just had considering all the interceptions and red zone yeah that, that's and, fair that's fair and and so but but yet though James Winston was not a finalist in 2014 and and I think that it goes back to exactly what you're saying and and the main reason that I feel I have to constantly champion James Winston is because for whatever reason there is a negative um stigma towards him still and and I don't know what it is, and and it's a shame, and I I wish it wasn't that way, but 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 it is. Well, you, you know do know what happened. it is. He was accused of rape. I mean, that's what it is. You, you, it's but, hard to shake that. It's hard to shake that label. I mean, that's true. Kobe I mean, Bryant that's true. Was accused of rape. The charges were dropped, and people still mention it. Ben Roethlisberger was sued civilly, not pursued criminally, civilly mm-hmm. for sexual assault, and people still put that on there. That's one of those things that's real hard to shake. And but, you factor that in with the fact that Jameis Winston in 2014, he just did some dumb stuff. He just – he really – he didn't make things easier on himself. That's true. He did have the one-game suspension that they – they suspended him for a half, and that wasn't enough, so they suspended him for the full game. I mean, I guess there are there are those things as well. So I appreciate you reminding me of those things because I do lose sight of them. But <laughs> but it's interesting when you when you talk about the accusations of rape because he – was accused and not charged prior to the Heisman Trophy ceremony right. in 2013. So you'd think if that was the big thing, then wouldn't he have not won the trophy? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I think I guess- it was a turning point because before the rape accusation, the media was in love with Jameis Winston. They loved him because he was mm-hmm. – I mean he was as charismatic a personality as there's been in college football in years. The guy was not shy about talking. He gave those great pregame speeches. He was mm-hmm. – the media loved him. I mean, the, the, the press that he got was, was great. 
and then all of a sudden, like most things in the media, they will turn on you on a dime, and it did, and then it was the rape accusation, then there was the crab legs, and then there was you know, him getting suspended for the game and coming out in full pads and Jimbo Fisher screaming at him. And it just, mm-hmm. it, the narrative changed to this guy just doesn't get it. Like, he just doesn't get it. That's true. That's very true. It's good. See, look, I'm so biased. It's good to have you to remind me of these things. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's what good. I'm here for. The, the mm-hmm. third part no, of our three-point plays is Derek Carr. Derek Carr with the Raiders. Derek Carr has to be the MVP this year. I don't. I, I mean, I, I really don't think that there's any any discussion. I don't want to hear about Tom Brady. He, he's having a great year, but he missed four games. Um, Dak Prescott's having a really nice year, but he does not put up anywhere near the numbers that the Raiders do. The Raiders are the biggest surprise in football in my mind. I mean, they're nine and two. They're in charge of the toughest division in football with Denver and Kansas City and San Diego, there's no light week in that division. And the Raiders are rolling. And this guy, yeah, they're having a very second good round. He slipped to the second round, I think, only because his last name is Carr. <laughs> well, I think teams were afraid to take him because of his brother David. And uh, the Raiders benefited enormously from it. And he's another one in the same boat with Jameis Winston. This guy, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, these guys are where the future of the NFL is because Tom Brady's got, what, a couple of years left. Aaron Rodgers is, what, 34 years old. These guys are where it's at. And it's just crazy to me to think that that Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack, they've got this team, you know, where they are, and yet they don't have a damn stadium. They're probably going to move to Las Vegas. I, you know, I just had to check. I wasn't even sure which college he came from, Fresno State. I, I didn't Fresno actually State. know that. I just had to, I just had to check really quick. And I'm sure that's the only reason he was in the second round. Um, but not, you know, maybe the other thing that you mentioned as well. But, but yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I, I actually, you know, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and all those names. Of course, it's like, you know, how can you not know them when you're, you know, a big college football fan? But but I was not um, super familiar with where he had gone to school. That's really interesting. You don't watch a ton of Mountain West football? You don't like games that start no. at 11 o'clock? <laughs> no. No, it's hard enough for me to watch the Pac-12 stuff. <laughs> and they're Power 5, so, yeah. That's, they are. Uh, they are. A, a bit gonna, of a problem for me. We're going to keep you around for one more segment, and that's, that's our death penalty. Oh, okay. death penalty, I think, needs to be administered to the talk of the Penn State football scandal with Jerry Sandusky. Um, hmm. I, I think that it's hard for a lot of people to get past it because of how awful it is. The Penn State fans don't make it easy with their constant calling for a Joe Paterno statue to be put, put back up. I mean, they need to stop with the Joe Paterno stuff. Joe Paterno, hmm. by all evidence, had an idea what was going on and turned a blind eye to it for a long time. Right, right. So they harmed themselves for a long time. But this, it's time, I think, to start looking at the football program differently. 
None of these kids have anything to do with it. James Franklin has nothing to do with it. He's now the second coach after this has happened. He's done an exemplary job everywhere he was. I mean, the guy won at Vanderbilt, and he's won at Penn State. I, I just think it's time to kind of – it doesn't mean that you, you forget it, but I think it's time to put it in the rearview mirror and stop every time we say Penn State thinking about child sex scandal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would totally agree, especially after this year. You know, I think that, you know, I feel like this was almost their year of rebirth in a weird way, right? Like they, looking at where they came from um, in the beginning of the season to where they're at now, I mean, they're, what, Big Ten East champs? Is that not the hardest division in college football, would you argue? I mean, honestly, it definitely was. So I think that um, I think it was time. I think it was time for them to to make the comeback. And I and I agree. I think it's time to put the other things to bed. Yeah, I, I just think yeah. so. I mean, it's one of those things where it felt weird to root for Penn State to win a game because it's like, oh, Penn State. You know, they they got that mm-hmm. whole molestation thing going on. But I think it's time to move on from it. It just feels like yeah. enough's enough, and no one there has anything to do with it anymore. So, you know, maybe maybe we just let that let that go. I agree. I agree. And you know, it's interesting because you look at you know you look at programs like Baylor and 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 just the way that that how long it takes in the cycle for programs to come back from those types of scandals that are you know kind of have have permeated to the coaching level, right? Like you have the yeah. teams that have right. a bad player here or there, but like once it's you know um, like. I don't know, so cancerous in a sense that, like, so metastatic that, you know, you do have to sit back and it does give you pause about the, the franchise and the whole team. And I guess it's not a franchise, it's a university. <laughs> but, um, you know, you do have to sit back and, and and feel out, like, how you feel about throwing your support that way. And, and I kind of had the same realization, especially in the Big Ten Championship and <laughs> probably also when they played Ohio State, <laughs> did not have a yeah. problem rooting for them. You know, no, so, no, I, I, I despise Ohio State. I don't really know why, but I just do. I don't like them. I don't like their fans. I don't like anything about Ohio. Everybody <laughs> knows that listens to me. I am exceptionally anti-Ohio. I don't like people from Ohio. Sorry. Uh, I don't like the state. I don't like Cleveland. I think that it's a joke. Skyline Chili is trash. There's nothing good. Nothing good in Ohio. <laughs> Okay, I I I don't have anything against Ohio. I love a lot of people out in Ohio, but but I I do feel like Ohio State almost falls in that Alabama category with me a little bit. Not not so much. I don't think Ohio State is nearly as dominant as as Alabama. Like not even close. Oh no. But but no. but you get tired of you get tired of the repetition of the winning and the always being in the playoffs and always, you know, you just, it's nice to see it mix up a little bit here and there, you know, I mean, of course, as you know, if I were one of their fans, I'm sure I, you know, would be singing a very different tune, but, um, but I think that that's where it comes from a little bit with me. You know, I just prefer to see things mix up a little bit, you know, let's, let's bring back the USC, you know, let's have, you know, in a couple of yeah. years, maybe Oregon again. You know, I, I I like that. I like to have it mixed up, and you know, Washington, like that's awesome that they made it this year. Yeah, I, I think that that's healthy. It's it's healthy also, and I think that it gives other teams and other programs um, an idea that they they can they too can get there, and it's not an unrealistic dream right. for them. But, right. 
All right, Rose, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. You are very welcome. All right, thank you. We're going to move on to something I want to talk about. It's it's been uh, it's been on my mind all day. The Golden State Warriors. Last night, Clay Thompson scored 60 points, 60 points in a 142 to 106 win over Indiana. He did it in 29 minutes. He shot 21 of 33 from the field, 8 of 14 from three, and 10 of 11 from the line. He left with 122 left in the third quarter. Golden State's 18 and three. They had an enormous lead. He has to play the fourth quarter of that game. Sports, I feel like we're in this paradox now where where everybody is just trying to be more selfless than the next guy. You know what? Let him go for 80. Let's see if he can get 90. Who knows? The guy's on fire like few people that have ever set foot on an NBA court have been on fire. You don't pull him for a whole quarter and just let him sit. This is This is going to be the biggest professional night of this guy's life on a personal level. He's going to tell his kids and his grandkids about the night I scored 60 in 29 minutes. Let's see if he can get 80. Let's see if he can get 90. Who knows? Let him have that moment. This is going to be one of the pinnacles of his professional career. Don't take it away from him and don't frown upon him for trying to do it. Clay Thompson wanted to play the fourth quarter. Steve Kerr sat him down because they were up by 30-plus the entire time. It's like when when managers take starters out of games when they're throwing a a no-hitter or a perfect game. You can't you can't do that, man. I remember with uh, the when Johan Santana was with the Mets a few years ago, he threw the first no hitter in Mets history, and he had to throw I think 140 pitches to do it. And it was his first year back from Tommy John surgery, and, and he was never the same after that. He was never the same. You ask Johan Santana if he would trade that no hitter for another two or three years of average baseball, which is what he was doing at that time. I guarantee you the answer is no. There are certain events in a professional career that surpass all other individual accomplishments. I think you ask most pitchers whether they'd rather throw a perfect game or win a Cy Young, they're probably going to take the perfect game. It's more exclusive. Fewer people have done it. Clay Thompson had a chance to do something really, really special. What he did was special, but he could have done something exceptionally special. And Steve Kerr took that away from him, and I really I, I don't like it. I have a problem with that one. All right, we're going to move on to Thursday's Top Dog. <laughs> this Thursday night, we have a great game in the NFL. It's the Oakland Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs for first place in the AFC West. If Oakland wins, it's going to be very, very tough to catch them down the stretch with four games left to play. The game is going to be cold. It's going to be very cold. It's going to be 18 degrees at kickoff. There's a chance of snow, and the windshield is going to have it in single digits. Arrowhead, as we talked about before, is one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. The Raiders coming out from Oakland, going into a real cold place with a hot Chiefs team. It feels like they could be walking into one of the toughest games of their season. I think that Kansas City is playing some of the best football going on right now, and they're under the radar. I mean, that that defense is right there with Seattle for the best defense in football. I think they're better than Denver's defense. I think they're right there with Seattle. And now with Earl Thomas out, 
I think they may they may be the best defense in football. Andy Reid is a steady, reliable coach. Alex Smith is the exact same thing at quarterback. And if they can develop a running game, watch out. Jeremy Macklin's coming back this week, too. He's going to play. I love the Raiders. I love everything they've done. Derek Carr, like I said a few minutes ago, is the MVP of this league without question. Nothing that happens on Thursday will change that. I don't think the Raiders win this game. The top dog for Thursday night that I'm going to give you is still the Oakland Raiders because they're they're an underdog. They're getting three and a half points, and I don't think Kansas City is blowing them out in this game. This, to me, feels like a 24-23, 24-21 kind of game. I think you take the three and a half, take the Raiders, but I think Kansas City gets the nod on this one straight up. It's a tough game. It's prime time. It's a short week. The Raiders had a tough game against the Bills on Sunday. That They had another one of their trademark miraculous comebacks uh, to win. But I think that if you're betting on this one, take the three and a half points, take the Raiders, but I would expect Kansas City to pull this one out in a close, close game. All right, everybody, that is the sports section for this week. Thank you all for listening. Again, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, we love all of you, even the people in Ohio. I was just kidding. I love you too. Um, Make sure you follow us on the website, on the blog, at thecowboyridesagain.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MrCowboyMike. That's at MRCowboyMike. At Facebook, we are the Cowboy Rides Again. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, follow. Our YouTube channel's up there, too. Um, all that good stuff. If you have any questions or anything, just reach out to us. Thank everybody for listening. We'll be back on Saturday night with the Cowboy Rides Again podcast. Uh, that'll be electric. Make sure you all tune in. Blog Talk Radio, the Cowboy Rides Again. It'll be 11 p.m. Saturday night. Thank you for listening. Love you all.